Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. In this episode of the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show, we have Judy Marano with over two decades of experience teaching English at various educational levels, including college, high school, and middle school. Judy's expertise in verbal skills instruction is unparalleled. As a certified coaching practitioner and application essay specialist, she brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. Her remarkable achievements include receiving the SUNY Chancellor's Award for Teaching Excellence and contributing as a writer for Best Self magazine. Judy is also the author of the insightful book Words Matter and serves as the founder and director of Community Connection, which focuses on adult ESL education. Join us as we gain invaluable insights from Judy, a New York State certified high school English teacher with expertise in K-12, ESL and a true expert in study skills preparation. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for taking time out uh, for being a part of the show. It's my pleasure. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, so, Judy, uh, I'd like to start off by uh, asking you a very open-ended question. Um, feel free to, you know, walk us through your journey uh, leading up to the point, you know, where you decided to coach people uh, who are taking various college tests, right? college entrance tests. Correct, correct. Well, actually, um, it was a very, not a very straight line, not a very straight linear path. It was sort of more falling into it than it was making a plan. Right. Um, so I am a college professor. I teach writing um, and public speaking. Uh-huh. And for years, kids would come to me before I started my business and be like, hey, I'm applying to college. You're a writer. You're a teacher of writing. Can you help me? And it started like that with like friends' friends and right. like parents' friends' kids. And like it was, I didn't, I didn't advertise. I didn't do anything. I was like, oh, this is a cool way to make money, right? Yeah. So I was doing that and it was getting to be my, my name was kind of being passed in circles, right? The, the, what I say is that the, uh, the line, the pickup line at school is the best advertising you could yeah. possibly have. So my name started kind of floating and pe- more people were reaching out and be like, hey, you do college essays. And I was at work where I teach at college and I was speaking with a, uh, someone I had just met. Right. And she mentioned that she used to design SATs. Okay. And I said, I said, wow. I said, you know, I'm doing some college prep work here, you know, and I kind of, I'm like, I did an SAT here and there. I didn't do it well, but I did it. She's like, wow, well, let me show you what I do. And I was like, hey, let me show you what I do. And that's sort of the, the brainchild of our business is that we found two people who love to do what they do right. and um, who put their, who put kids first. Right. Right. You know, I live in I live in New York, uh-huh. and um, you know prices are ridiculous. Things are ridiculous, you know, and 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 people pay a lot of money to help their kids get into college. Right. Um, but then there's that middle class, and they kind of get lost. So what what our goal was when we started saying, "Hey, let's do a business," educational awareness popped up very easily as our name, hmm. um, and we would just focus on test prep. 
and college essay writing. And that's how we started. It was simple, it was straightforward. We did small classes of test prep, like six kids. It's great. And we continued that and sort of built up a reputation and made a lot of mistakes along the way, which I'd love to talk about. Some of the wasted yeah. money and bad choices. And, you know, we, we did all that. We, we were good yeah. at that. Um, but at some point it got to be where, you know, people would, parents would call and they'd say, Hey, while you're working with my kid, can you help him find a college? Right. And I was like, well, sure. You know, and I'm pretty well read. So I was like, yeah, 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 I could do that. So I started kind of like looking up schools and, you know, and then my business partner and I decided that, you know, half of what we do is counsel kids. I mean, that's the, the, you know, college counseling is really just counseling with a little bit of college. So I decided to go back right. and get my, uh, my license as a life coach for teens. And I thought, well, you know, it's pretty much what I do every day anyway. I work with teens. Right. I work with college kids. You pretty much life coach them when you teach them English. So I got a certification in life coaching for teens. And then I was like, this is going well. We added on to our business, life coach, life coaching for teens. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but I was still getting like, you know, could you help my kid find a college? So, of course, I went back onto the wonderful internet and I found a program out of University of California, San Diego. Right. And it was for somebody who already had degrees, but uh -huh. it was a license in college counseling. Right. So I added that on. So our little small, we're only going to test prep and, and teach essay writing, has sort of grown itself. Uh -huh. And each growth step we make is out of request from the people that we're working with. Like, hey, do you do this? Not yet, but I can. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I've grown the business. Right. And we've been in business for um, 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, because, uh, you know, in India, I don't know how is it in the U.S. In India, we have something called as the Ministry of Corporate Affairs, and they have numbers. They have statistics about businesses. Any business, out of 100 businesses that start up, 95 of them shut shop within one year. And uh, for someone to run something for 10 years is a huge thing, right? So It's yeah. huge, but I have to tell you, <laughs> we've had our share of... Hey, we're not going to get paid for these classes because we didn't make enough money. You know, we've done right. that. But right. we've also, I think, the, the issue with any sort of entrepreneurial educational thing hmm. is that people are not going to find you in the phone book, right? right. Education is so important. Right. So you're not going to just go look somebody up and be like, hey, I need a coach. You're not going to do that. You're going to ask five people that you know that had coaches and then right. you're going to, so that takes time. Yeah. And in the beginning, what we did was like, we're just going to pay for mailings and spend $500 to mail out postcards. And I'm going to put ads and stuff. You know what it got me? Nothing. Right. Because it's a business of trust. Yeah. And I think that we, you know, I think it's so easy to say why. I mean, I could have folded up. Absolutely. Mm. But I was like, you know, I really think there's a need here. But it took it took five years, eh, four to five years mm. 
before we felt like we weren't just helping people we knew. Mm. Right. Like people would call me out of the blue and I'm like, Oh, you know, how'd you get my name? Oh, so-and-so gave. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know that person. It was like five years before like the random person would call me and be like, Hey, I got your name from somebody. And, and I'm like, Oh, but it took a long time. And I think if you're for me, because I teach, I do have other income. So it wasn't like I was like, you know, I needed this income to survive. Right. So I think at this point I could stop teaching and, and, and live comfortably on my, on my, my business, but I like to teach. So I do both, but it took me almost 10 years to get to that place where I'm like financially stable and doing well. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs think it's going to be quick and they get frustrated after the first year because it's not going quick and they yeah. shut down. That's not what I thought it would be. Okay. Well, you know what? That's, it's never going to be what you thought it would be. Yeah. Right. We're never going to make, unless, unless you're maybe you're Bill Gates. I don't know. You make a million dollars in the first year. Most of us, we lose money the first year. Yes. And I think going into it, knowing that makes you a smarter business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Don't expect income. Don't expect profit for three years. Just say, you know what? I'm not. And if you do make money, congratulations. But I wouldn't expect anything for three years. So maybe starting your own business has to happen while you're still working on, like, you know, part time. Yeah. Which is what we're, what we did until we had enough momentum. And I probably should have given up my job, but I love teaching. So I continue to do it. But I think we knew going into it, it wasn't going to make us rich in the first year. And I think people give up too easily. And that's why those entrepreneur businesses fail. Yeah. Uh, Judy, uh, from what you spoke so far, I've just got a lot of questions. But the first one, let me come uh, from the order of the things that, you know, uh, triggered the question, right? The first one you said when you met your partner, business partner, you said uh, she was uh, designing SAT. Am I correct? She was, so, so she was on the committee to, to write the SAT. She was one of those mean people who set up these questions and ways to trick kids. And she said to me the reason she stopped wow. doing it because it was immoral. She felt like it was immoral. She's like, it really hurt her soul to find ways to trick children. Okay. Okay. Got it. And um, Judy, you also, you know, mentioned that it probably helped you because you already had a job and therefore you had the luxury to kind of, you know, spend five years. But uh, right. you can also look at it another way, right? I mean, um, it's only people with no choice uh, end up doing stuff sometimes when things are already uh, comfortable it's you. even more difficult right uh, there are two ways to look at it there is the way that i did it and then there's the throw everything you own into it yeah. and spend 24 7 i was just watching um uh a documentary yesterday on yeah. ed sheeran do you know ed sheeran the yes musician? the musician okay. yes right so he just did a documentary it's on disney Okay. I, don't I don't know why I'm advertising for Disney. Um, but anyway, what he said I thought was so profound. He said, everybody in my business worked one or two nights a weekend. He said, so I worked 
seven. Because I knew that if I did it enough, something great would happen. I thought it was amazing where he said, you know, I, I looked at everybody else and saw what they were doing and I did it 10 times harder. And his theory was they can't ignore me if I'm in everybody's face. Right. Right. And that's certainly, certainly a way to look at it. I think there are definitely two paths. And I think that for some people, you're right. Necessity breeds invention. Right. So I think if you're right, if I didn't have my other income, I would have probably had to push harder, work harder, you know, and, and it's possible, but I also think you need to realize that right up front, you're not going to be rich the first year. I think it's just a, real, no, a, fact, a reality. Uh, I'm not, in, you know, I meant to only give more credit to you because it's easier when you have no choice to continue. You have all the more reason when you're already, you know, making some money and money is not your, uh, you know, the most high priority thing it despite being in a comfortable position to stick to something and do that is yeah. another you know it takes another kind of a discipline to do that and that different uh, kind of discipline right different kind of discipline agreed yeah uh, agreed. it's more easier when you have no choice but when you have choice it's easier to postpone and you know just procrastinate well, yeah and i'm sure it's also easier to throw your hands up in the air and just stop yeah yeah you so, know, there's yeah, nothing to meant. hold you to it yeah yeah, but you know what you also said uh, you could have stopped teaching, but then you know you love teaching, and I love uh, teaching. I'm touching up on this topic because you know uh, it's always good to talk a positive, get positive things about an activity. And here uh, our viewers are mostly going to be teachers. And could you share a few words about why is that you know you love teaching so much for that I... when you have a successful business also you're teaching. I love, I think that, I don't think teachers are made. I think teachers are born. Right. And I think for me, I love that feeling of brightening somebody's day, opening somebody's eyes, having an aha moment. I love being in the classroom. I learn more from them than they probably learn from me. Right. And I wouldn't change it. Like I just, to me, I also feel like it keeps me in touch with the kids and what they're doing and where they're at, you know, and because I'm working with that age group, basically, it keeps my hand on like that age group. I feel like, I, you know, as I get older, my kids are grown. So I don't have any like reference to like, what music are they listening to? What do they like? What don't they like? Like, I don't know. I feel like that enhances me as a coach, like, and as a, as a guy to get them. Right. You know, so for two reasons, but I, I just, I just love that moment where like someone gets it and you're like, wow, you know. Got it. And uh, I've, uh, you know, spoken to a lot of teachers. It's, I mean, even you, you teach SAT and ACT, but I've, I'm yet to speak to somebody who teaches writing. How different is it to teach writing when compared to, you know, objective things like SAT and ACT? And yeah, yeah. Okay. So teaching writing is my favorite thing to do. Okay. Um, I am a writer. Right. So we'll talk about that later, but I am a writer. So sure. I, it's, it's about teaching two things. I teach structure, mm -hmm. right? Cause everybody needs structure. Um, so I teach two things. I teach structure and then I teach, you know, how to put your ideas together. And I, you know, right. I, it's just, you, you can't do one, you can't do one and not the other. So I do a lot of like 
journal writing and ex like responses to get them used to putting words down on paper. And then we play with words and we move them around and we give them voice. Is it different? Absolutely. But it's super creative. Right. And it's, um, and, 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 and very empowering for the person that does it. Right. I mean, I've had students who, you know, couldn't write an essay. Mm. And then at the end of it, they go, I did that. Yes, you did that. You know, and it takes good questions and good prodding. It's like pulling, I tell people, it's like pulling taffy. Do you know what that taffy? Like it's taffy is like sticky, stretchy candy. Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Pull it. Right. I feel yeah. like I pull taffy all day. Okay, you know, I take it. ideas and I go, come on, you can do it, you know, and it's like pulling it out of them. But yeah. That's great. And uh, you said, you know, uh, you started off just by, because you were teaching writing, people used to think that you could probably help them with their essays and stuff like Correct. that. Correct. Now, Correct. Uh, how do you, now, I know people, you know, who directly write essays on behalf of students or maybe, you know, ask them the required questions and then probably help them get their essay out. And you know, yeah, we're no, not I even writers, but you being, uh, you being a teacher, yeah, you being a writing teacher, I, I, do you get into the basics of writing and not help them directly with their essay? Do you tell them, you know no, what, I do this both. is what you need to do? Okay. Yeah. I do both. Right. And we, what we do is a lot of times what I tell them to do, and they always laugh at me, I call it verbal vomit. I said, we, we talk about an idea and I say, write everything you could think about, about mm. that idea. Okay. And then I say, okay, what do we like? What do we don't like? It's like a puzzle, right? right. Get all the, so dumping all the pieces out on the table, right? Uh -huh. Right. Once all the pieces are there, you say, okay, I need this one here and this one here. So what I do is I say, okay, you've got these ideas. Let's organize them. Now I'll say, add some details here. I'll leave them notes, you know. Mm. And then they go in and they add stuff in. So, no, I do not write it for them. Right. Um, I can guide them through, but it's I I can't be their voice. Right, right. Right. And colleges, yeah. you know, this whole thing with chat GPT and AI. Assistant, I was going to come you know, to that. <laughs> okay. So this whole thing is, it's, it's, it's problematic. Okay. Because it's. Feels like, sounds like human, right? So, but what it's missing is voice. And that's what will, if the colleges are looking for, like, what is your voice? Like a computer cannot create voice. Right. It can create data. Yeah. Right. So that's the part that's so important. Right. Pulling out a student's voice. Like, who are you? Are you funny? Are you quirky? Are, what is your voice mm. telling? Chat GPT can't do that. Right. Right. You know, that comes from a different place. So as a teacher, it's not really your job to you can only tell them, look, you know, this is what chat GPT is going to do. And you got to tell them how chat GPT is not going to help them. But at the end of the day, I think it it is the students uh, volition to be honest and sincere about the work they do. Right. Especially and in your classes, which is all about writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I've had students we've actually they did a I, I read an interesting survey, an interesting study 
they did this study where they gave English teachers right. a bunch of essays to read, mm. right? Mm. And they mixed in chat GPT essays. Okay. And many teachers could not tell the difference. Oh, wow. Okay. And to me, you totally can tell the difference. Like, I don't... I, yes, you. I tell them it's a tool. What I tell them is it's a great tool to summarize an article. It's a great tool if you need some background information. It's great. great. It's just not a great tool when it does the work for you. Yeah. Maybe use it as an assistant to kind of lay out a assistant. structure for you. Like we used to use growing up, we used what was called cliff notes, right? right. There were these little right. books, right? And we open them up and it would tell me, what, I didn't want to read Hamlet. I read the cliff notes. Right. That's basically what chat GPT is supposed to be, right? right? Assisted education. So I don't need to buy the book. I just log on to chat GPT and they summarize it for me. But that's, I kind of equate it to that. It's just a, it's a more tech savvy version of what we did, you know, growing up. Got it. Judy, uh, going back to your business, you said in the start of a conversation that, you know, you'll you'll talk about the learnings that you had, you know, (sighs) beginning. Yeah. So, you know, you think your business is the best business in the world and you think everybody's going to love your business because you do. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the, our biggest mistakes, and we not only do we make it once, we made it twice, which okay. tells me that you know I'm not that great a learner. But we, the first thing we did was we did like we we started the business, we printed up trifold like little brochures. Right, right. And here I was thinking I would put these brochures all over the place, and people would take them and they would call me, and I'd be fine. First of all, printing is expensive. Second of all, many places would not let us leave them because they don't advertise businesses. Right. Third of all, people don't hire you off a brochure. Yeah. So we spent over $1,000 about the second year we were in business creating this brochure. I could have basically went on vacation for that money and it would have been more profitable because it brought in zero. Right. Yeah. Then we decided, so, so, so not smart sometimes. I think we look back at our stuff and we say, what was I thinking? Then we decided to do a mailing. We thought, I'm going to get all the kids in the school districts around me mm-hmm. and I'm going to print up a postcard. And of course, I know that I throw those away at home, but my postcard is going to be the best postcard in the universe and they're going to love it and they're going to hire me. Another thousand dollars later, I print up my postcards, I get them to the post office. Not one call. Okay. Not one. I, and then I think it took us a while to realize like, you're not that great. <laughs> the only way to make business is through connections, right. through contacts, right? If a mom is happy, about how I treated their kid. They're telling all the moms at the bus stop. They're telling all the moms at the baseball game. They're telling all the moms on the pep rally. Right, right. Right. In a business where you're asking someone to trust you, you cannot buy that. Right. And that's what we learned. Those were our big, like, 
You can't buy trust. They either do or they don't. And that comes from credibility and it comes from connections and, and, you know, networking and all of those things that you have to do to build a business. Right. Right. Doesn't come from sending out a postcard or making a brochure that's fancy and shiny and slick. And I think those were two big, huge financial and personal mistakes. We spent a lot of time and energy doing these things when the reality was it didn't matter. So I think those were the two big ones for us. Um, And then I think one of the things that really is important um, a couple things that I think are super important in, in starting a business. Okay. Uh, social media, social uh-huh. media, social media. I post every Sunday okay. on my on my Facebook for the business. Uh-huh. And I've joined all these community groups and mom's groups. I got about 50 of them. Right. I get over 2,500 people reading my posts every Sunday. Right. I post consistently uh-huh. at the same time. Uh-huh. Every week, and people know to look for it. Right. So I think social media is key. Mm-hmm. I think Instagram. You know, if you the thing is, you have to think about who are you marketing to. As much right. as I would love to believe I'm marketing to kids, I'm not. Yes. I'm marketing to their parents. Yeah. Where do their parents get social media? Their parents are not on TikTok. Their parents are on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And that's what I'm on. Also, LinkedIn. Right. LinkedIn was huge for me. Okay. Right? I went on and I joined every educational group I could find, as well as every person I might even have remotely known, I asked them to join my LinkedIn. Hmm. I think that was huge. Right. Three, website. People check your website. That I do know. Right. Right. Make a website. I think that was something that we learned and it has to be fluid. You don't want a website that's going to be static. You want something that's going to change or whatever, you know, grow. And I think that was, that was big for us making a website and putting it out there and, you know, making up little business cards. And that's all we had to do is make up business cards. You know, all that other stuff was garbage. Um, and it just has our website on it and our information, and here you go. And our business cards say, you know, it's we call it a one, two, three plan, right? One, testing, prep. Two, counseling. Three, applications and essays. One, two, three, one-stop shopping. Quick, fat, you know, like engaging, but I only give my cards out to people who ask. So you're not just spreading out your stuff everywhere. It's like, here, take this, right? And the other thing that I did, I think was huge, 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 huge for growing our business is I joined a networking group. So B&I? I joined, I'm sorry? BNI? Is it one of them? Uh, no, Master Networks. Okay. Master Networks, um, which is out of Texas, but all over the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. And... What's so great about it is, I, you know, I have a chapter. I have people in my chapter who now know me. Yeah. But because we do all Zoom, we I've been to Utah and I've been to Florida and I have clients in Texas. So for me, you know, they're buying me. 
Right. So I'll get on a meeting and talk about what I do and be super energetic. And, and then people reach out and they go, I'm really interested in what you do. That has been such a big change, game changer for me. Right. So I think social media, website, and networking group are the three things that we did after we made our poor choices to really push us forward. And then it's posting every week, being consistent. I go to master network meetings, not only in my chapter, but I make a point every week to visit another state. Oh, right, right. So now I'm, I'm, I can do my work through Zoom. So I don't need to be in the same state as you to help you write your college essay. Right. Right. So now it's taken this very, very small little business and it's went, wow. Yeah. Thank you, Judy, for this uh, valuable, you know, series of information, because it will help a lot of people uh, learn from probably what you did uh, with, you know, your money that you mm -hmm. spent a couple of times, a thousand dollars. And this conversation might help others save that couple of thousand dollars. Exactly. You know, I just I just think you have to be realistic. You know, just because you think it's the greatest idea in the world, nobody's jumping on your bandwagon right away. You've got right. to work it. Right. And I, right. I recommend, you know, BMI or any of these networking groups are a great way. I mean, my business has tripled since I started networking groups. And because even if maybe you don't have somebody who needs me, maybe your next door neighbor needs me or like right. it. it because I reach so many people every week, it has changed the business. So I think as an entrepreneur, that is something I would say. Those three things, social media, uh, website, and networking group are the three things that I think make a successful business. Great. I had, uh, I had a similar conversation with another person uh, from, uh, I think, North Carolina. His name is uh, Jeff Negus. He's a math tutor. He was a former Navy officer. And he used uh, BNI and another thing called his Alignable. Uh -huh. uh, that was a that was the first time I heard it. Just sharing, you know, in case somebody wants yeah, to Yeah, Align, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel like, and, and again, do not to diminish LinkedIn. Not yes, to diminish yes. LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn is, is really yeah. a great tool if yeah. you use it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Judy, you spoke about, you know, the learnings that you had. And then you said you started off by printing brochures and then, you know, uh, sending postcards. But you said you discovered this could be a business based on people reaching out to you. You know, can you help me write? Now, uh, what happened with those connections? Did, didn't you maximize on that? Didn't the word of mouth spread there? Just trying so to fill the gap. Right. Yeah. So that's basically what we did. We, you know, we relied on people's recommendations and what we started doing for a while, again, maybe a little bit of a failure. Um, we started doing what's called like it's a MailChimp. MailChimp, it's a, like yes. A, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a mailing pro program. It's an email. You know? Yes. Yes. So what I would do is like, once I had a client, I would send out a little MailChimp and be like, oh, college essay season just opened or did you read this recent article? And I would mail it out to all the people I was working with right? just to kind of keep me present right. in their brain 
So maybe like the next time someone asked them for somebody, a tutor or a bit, you know, I would be remembered. Right. You know, but what I found is that people don't want that. Like they don't, they read too many emails during the day. They're not interested in, in, so I just literally stopped and said, you know what, we're going to do this by word of mouth. Hmm. Right. You know, I'm never going to be a Kaplan or a, one of those big companies yeah, that does yeah. test prep, but I don't know that I want to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't think I want that. So I think my way is just, is, is good. You know what I mean? It's, it works. No, uh, it's interesting that you brought up um, that big company, Kaplan, and whether you want to be or not. Um, and another chat, uh, you know, session with another person who was working with Kaplan. And um, one of the patterns that I've seen with all of these uh, test prep coaches, they start off in places like this. Then they see things that uh, they're not on board with. You know, they see gaps. Correct. And that's how they come out and try and fix those problems. Uh, right. But I think they are big machines that are going to keep running no matter what. But, they are, um, but it, it really, to me, it's, you know, dollars versus cents, right? Yeah. Cents not meaning C-E-N-T-S, but S-E-N-S-E. Yeah. Um, you know, they charge a lot of money, but what are they really te- I, teaching you? So the way that we approach the SAT or whatever test is, I'm going to teach you how to take this test. Right. I'm not going to teach you how to take 7,000 questions because that's not going to make you any better. You're never going to see these questions again. Right. I'm going to teach you skills. They don't teach skills in a lot of these companies. They just teach repetition. And eh, I kind of feel like you need building blocks, right? I kind of feel like, I guess, the educator in me, right? You need to lay that groundwork first. So let me teach you how to take this test. And then I'll teach you to be really, really good at it. You know, but I don't think you can do it... um, you know, I don't know how these systems work. The other thing is, you know, we only work with professionals, professors. One of our tutors is a doctor. Um, their claim, you know, to get to become a tutor at one of these companies, you just have to do good on your SATs. But I don't think doing good on your SATs means you know how to teach the SATs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, there's a huge gap between I did well, I can show you how to do well. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the people uh, say that it's not the skills that handicap students. It's the it's also the mental setup, right? Some people are anxiety. really anxious. Anxiety. Uh, yeah. Anxiety. Uh, you know, so much yeah. so that there's a test prep the- called no anxiety test prep. They just focus right. on that. So there, ah. And that's a lot of what we do as coaches, as, right. you know, understanding how the people think. Right. And even just being in the classroom, I understand anxiety. You know, I, I right. am part of you know, what, even though you're not, I'm not saying to you, I'm going to teach you how to manage your anxiety. What I'm going to say to you is, hey, try this and see how it feels. Right. Right. right? Don't use the word anxiety because then everyone's like, well, I don't have any test anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Try this approach. Hey, look, you got the answer three times. How does that feel? You know, so managing, you're managing anxiety while you're teaching test skills, right? You, you do both. Right, right, yeah. 
And uh, Judy, you started off as two people and you just said, you know, you've got other tutors working with you. So now yes. you've uh, now you've grown into a, 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 a bigger team. And how yes. many how many people do you have and what are the different roles that you hire people? OK, for? so we have we have um, obviously uh, this, myself and my business partner are, right. you know, co-owners. Right. Underneath that, we have a math specialist okay um who who does sat math mm. act math. Mm. and then we have um she also does any sort of tutoring math related in high school or college Got it. so we also do college tutoring because i kind of feel like even when when the kids get there sometimes they still need a little help transitioning yeah. in so we yeah. do that too um and then i have a, a a young man who's um fluent in spanish and chemistry and biology uh, 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 any of the biological sciences. Right. Botany um, and zoology and stuff like that. Yeah, and all of that, you know. And, and right. so he does, we do college, you know, again, he, he does, he specializes in that section. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have another um, who's an engineer. He's a doctor. Okay. Um, you know, he does also does sciences. He's also fluent in Spanish. He does math. But he also does a lot of history, so the soft, the softer sciences, you know, right. psychology, sociology, um, and then I. So that's where that's there's that's that's us for right now. There's one, two, three, four, five of us. Wow. There's five of us, um, and it's great. And 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 I hope to grow more. Um, I think as, as again, I, I I wait until the need happens. Right. Like right. someone will say to me. Hey, do you have a tutor that does, you know, quantum physics? And I'll say, sure. And then I'll go find one, right? So, it, and I'll add them to our 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 staff because there was a need. Yes. So right now I've got all my subjects covered, and then so we'll we you know we tutor in you know high school kids, but we also do sessions for college kids. We do a lot of Zoom for college kids. Um. Got it. And sometimes it just takes one or two times to like get it mm. and then they're fine. You know, right. being in college is scary because nobody's holding your hand. It's much more independent. So for some kids, they just need that little extra, like little extra scaffold to right. kind of get them over the hump into like, oh, this is how college works. Right. 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 So we, we do a lot of fre- first semester, first year tutoring you know, just to kind of help kids through the process. Right. Yeah. Judy, have you also had uh, foreign kids, people from out of the U.S.? Uh, the yes. reason I'm asking you this question is um, another conversation that I had uh, brought up this very unique uh, area of concern, right? It's one is, you know, we train people for SAT, ACT, uh, they clear, they get into the college and stuff. But then there's also um, a a time in the first year when, especially when they get into reputed colleges or, you know, popular colleges, the top 10 colleges, it's difficult for people from outside of the U.S. to adjust with the crowd or, you know, they don't have the language or the attitude to blend in and survive. Have you come across students who've had problems here? So one of the things that I teach at the college is ESL writing. Right. So I deal, one of my classes is solely foreign language For, okay. learners. Right, right. Um, so yes. And I've also had, 
you know, students from other countries reach out and want to come in. And I do, um, I think that there's definitely a transition that needs to be dealt with. I don't mm. think you can pretend that it's not there. Yeah. Right. And I do that with my students too. I, I said, my job is, you know, to educate, to mother, to care for, right. to guide, all of those things. Because you're in a country where you don't necessarily know the language proficiently, or you do know the language, but you don't know anybody. Right. And, you know, then there's that whole cultural thing that has yeah. to happen. So, yeah, yeah, that is part of what our coaching does, you know, help people negotiate, you know, um, the transition. Transition is, is you'll see it on, if you go onto our website, educationallyaware.com, um, you will see that one of the things we talk about is transition, transition right, to a new right. part of your life. And I don't think it, I don't know that it matters whether you're an American student mm. who's moving out of home. I think, I think either way there's transition, right? If you're the kind of kid who lived home and mom did your laundry and cooked your meals and suddenly you're on a college campus and don't okay. know how to do any of that right. and don't know anybody, it can be very frustrating. Right. Even more so if some of the cultural norms are weird to you. Right. But I think there's, I've done both American and non, non-American students who all have that issue. I'm going to say that it's not, it's definitely not only an ESL, ELL issue. I think it's going to college is a total next step thing. And it's not one we're necessarily prepared for. I'm sorry, what is ELL? I know ESL is English as a second language. English language learner. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the first time I'm hearing that. Oh okay. yeah, that's the that's the um Yeah, that's the new the, the new way to phrase it is ELL, um English language learner. Um it's just I think it's um it puts the onus more on the student, right? ESL English as a second language puts the onus on the language. But I think the ELL, it puts the, stop guys, it puts the onus on the learner. And I think that's really why they've made that change. Right. Right. So you're, it, it, I don't know. I feel like it gives credit to the person who's doing the work. Doing, okay. Got it. Oh, so uh, ESL is slowly being looked at as ELL now? ELL, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, um, the movement right now, you know, I mean, we still call, some people still call it ESL, but like in anything that's like upper graduate school education based ELL seems to be the new, the new, the new catchphrase, you know, English language learner. Got it. So uh, Judy, uh, now, you know, we, you also said you're a writer and uh, there are three things that you do. You are a teacher uh, where you teach how to write and then you have your business and then you also spoke about your book before we get into writing and your book first of all i want to ask you how do you manage to do three things not one two three things so i think time management has always been a real strength for me okay. i'm a real big time blocker if you look at my calendar i block in everything right right even i block in work on the business I block in time for writing. So really, and I and my my teaching, I spend two full days at the college 
but it's only two days a week. I'm there all day teaching, but it's right. only two days a week. Two days a week, right. So then I have time to dedicate, you know, one or two days a week to write in the morning. In the after, I don't, I never write in the afternoons. I only write in the mornings. Um, and then I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and then I also, you know, dedicate afternoons to like working on the business. Every Sunday afternoon, I'm doing social media. Like I've right. just managed to like, and still give myself lot of time down, like a lot of downtime. I just feel like it, I think what happens is, yes, I do three things, but I don't do them all day, every day. Right. So I think that I give myself time for them, but I also give myself not to do things. You know what I mean? I feel like you can totally do that if you, if you manage your time well. I mean, how much time is wasted? Think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I'm not a big TV watcher. I don't, I'm not, I, I feel like it's a brain sucker. I'm not a big TV watcher. But like, you could sit for an hour and literally waste an hour watching a show. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that I would rather be reading a book or be thinking about a new article or, you know, like, you know, I don't, I don't think I need to, uh, uh, you can get it all done. You can get it all done. Another question for you, uh, you know, there are people who believe, you know, just focus, take one thing, do that and stuff like that. Right. But I mean, I'm not saying that is what it is. These are just perspectives, viewpoints. Now, here is somebody who's doing three things. I want to ask you, Judy, what are the positives of it? And do doing this uh, kind of helps you give you a new perspective, like say a writing probably, you know, does that help you with some of the things that you could have been you would have had a blockage in your other two things. So do these work like that, you know, interlinked? I think of it like a circle. Right. Right. Each piece of my circle is my job, my business, my writing. Right. And each of them feeds off the other. Hmm. I think that, you know, I'm a better teacher because I'm a writer. I can guide somebody because I've done it myself. Right, right, right. So, I can be a better coach because I spend time with college students. So each of the pieces makes me better at the whole, Mm. right? I think, and I think of them as three parts, but they're really overlapping constantly. Right. So I think that for me, the benefit is that I, I'm better at what I do because I do these other things. Right. You know, it makes so much sense, especially after you said, you know, you teach writing and then you write because I was talking to somebody else and then he said being a teacher, especially vocational training or, you know, if you're teaching someone a skill that's going to help them get a job, you better be a practitioner of it 50% of the time. Absolutely. And- like, I don't want to learn accounting from somebody who's never been an accountant. Right. I, I just, I feel like that you don't, you don't get it. Right. You don't get it. Right. Yeah. Right. Great. So, uh, Judy, you became a teacher before you became a writer or? I've always written, never, th- even when I was young, I would write. I was a right. writer. I loved okay. to write. Okay. But I didn't think I would do anything with it. And I didn't think it was very good. Right. But we, so I've always done that. And then um, about four years ago maybe four. Um, I wrote, I wrote this article 
and I submitted it to a magazine called Best Self. Yeah, yeah. And they published it. Okay. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm pretty good at this. Um, so now I'm a contributing writer for them. Okay. And, and I was like, well, I can take all these things that I'm doing, writing, right. and I can put them in one place and call it a book. Right. So my book is called Words Matter. Yeah. And it really is about looking at life from a little bit of a different perspective. Right. I say, look at, look at life through a new lens. So really it just is the completion of all of the things that I'm doing. Right. I feel like I'm always telling people to look at life through a new lens. I'm telling students to explore who they are. It's it, it, I'm telling people to write their thoughts. It's all the same. Right. Yeah. Judy, this is uh, for, because you're a writer and then, you know, you've, uh, your articles get, gets published in magazines, you know, I'd like to uh, ask, use a little few more minutes to probably give some value to aspiring writers out there. How does one, you know, uh, I'm not going to uh, ask you about the whole writing process and the style and stuff like that. But if you think, if somebody out there is thinking, you know, their passion is writing and they write well, how do they make money of writing? It's I, I, I don't think it's one of the most easiest things, right? It's one of the most difficult It is not. Yeah. It is not easy. Yeah. It is not. So many, you know, so for me, I didn't want to give over the rights to my writing. I wanted to maintain my own. So I chose to be published in magazines that don't pay you, but they mm. also don't, um, they don't own them okay. because I wanted to use them in my book. Now I do make money on my book. You can right. certainly make money, but it's, it's very hard. It's very hard. So, I mean, I work with students, you know, kind of coming around full circle. I work with students who want to be writers and I say to them, okay, what are you writing? Right. You know, we're writing newspapers. Are you writing? I mean, there's a whole new major out there. People who write social media, hmm. you know, so there are ways to incorporate. I think what, what I do and I write for me, like the, my book is about women and people. And, but if you want to make a living out of writing, right. you need to choose a specialty, uh -huh. right? And then you need to just focus on that. Right. Just like you would choose a business specialty, like you're going to choose accounting or marketing or um, public relations. I think you have to say, OK, I want to be a writer. I'm going to write news right. or I'm going to focus on social media right. or I'm going to focus on business writing. Right. I think the way to make money writing is to be an expert at a specific kind of writing. Right. right. Creative writing is never going to make you rich. Mm. Right. Writing, writing a book. That's creative writing. Right. You can do that. If that's your passion, do it. I do it. But if you want to be a writer, you need to say, this is the kind of writing I'm going to do to get a job. Just like you would say, this is the kind of business I'm going to study to get a job. Got it. So you, yeah. you, you are a creative writer. You're not any specific, right? Got it. Yeah. My, my writing is, is nonfiction. It's based on situational things that teach us lessons, basically. 
you know, many people say they're like little mini, mini, mini meditations, you know, just kind of looking at something from a different perspective. I just had actually a story published this morning before we got on. Um, And it was actually a story. It's called Pillow Talk. And it's all about our pillows um, and how our pillows know all our deep, dark secrets. So that got published this morning. So it's always exciting for me. It never gets old. It never gets old when somebody says your writing is valued or it has value or you're good at this. You know, it never gets old. Right. Do you, uh, you know, like you said, do you block time just to sit and think of ideas or these are ideas this, that just come through your days and then you the make it all The ideas come from places I've been, things I've seen. So right. all of my stories are based on something, Right. 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 But the actual story, so they'll they'll kind of dance around like it'll just something will happen and I'll race home and I'll just write down like a weird phrase and I'll be like, I'm going to revisit that, you know. Um, but then I do spend time just I block out time to think. Yes, right. I do block out time to just work out in my head before I even touch a piece of paper. You know, recently I had a little terrapin dug. I found a little terrapin mm. turtle. He's not a turtle. He's a terrapin. But I found a terrapin. He was about nine months old. He was lost. Okay. And I picked him up and I carried him over to the water, you know. And I thought, there's a story here. Right. How many of us have gone, gotten lost or, you know, want to put our head in our shell? or So there was a story there. So I ran home and I jotted it down. And then I dedicated a couple hours one morning to like, okay, what do I want to do with this? Just let me just, and I, a lot, like, what is it going to look like? And I don't even write it down to start. I just come up mm. with it in my head. Then I write it down. Wow. Thank you for this terrapin example because it just, you know, one of those moments where it just clicks and it did. And that's me. what I, so if it did for you and it did for me, that means it's going to click for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. how I know it's going to be a good story because really, you know, I, there are days that I want to go inside my shell. I don't know about you, but there are days where I'm like, I'm lost. I'm afraid. And I don't want to deal with life. Kind of felt like my term, my terrapin was like that. You and I both. Judy, uh, you, you said, uh, can we do it at 60 minutes? We've got a few more minutes. There's just one piece that I want to address before we, uh, you know, okay. end this conversation. Uh, sure. Going back to your teaching. Uh, one, I think one important thing is the tech, the software, right? Um, what is working for you? What is, what are you missing right now? Okay. So what I use, um, I'm a very simple girl with very simple taste. I, um, our school where I teach uses Brightspace. So I teach on the platform of Brightspace. Mm, I use, um, I use zoom for Mm -hmm. all my client meetings because I tell the kids that I want to see their faces. I don't want to just hear their voices because a lot of recognition and understanding happens in the eyes, right? If I can look at your eyes, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, are you getting this? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I use zoom. I bought a zoom one zoom contract for the business Okay. so that everybody else can use it as well. And what we take advantage of, instead of having multiple zoom accounts for the business we take advantage of breakout rooms so if more than one person wants to use the zoom at one time you just throw them into breakout rooms and that way we didn't waste money on buying multiple zoom addresses when i only needed one wow that's a great hack thank you 
<laughs> it's a good hack, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter because you just throw somebody in a breakout room. There's, I can, we can have three classes going on at once in different rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That saved a ton of money because that's like a hundred and something dollar. You know, it, it saved money. Right. So I use Zoom for that. I use a Windows based, um, you know, uh, Word, whatever. But when I work with clients, I make them all use Google Docs. And the right. beauty of Google Docs as a writer is I'm on it and they're on it together. Yeah, yeah. And that's those three tools pretty much is all I need right. to run my business. Hmm. You know, and if kids don't have Google Docs, I say to them, can you please get it? It's free. You know, because it's so easy to say, here, go to this sentence and now do something. Or I'll, I'll put in two words and I'll say, okay, finish that thought. Right. So that to me is an invaluable tool for working. Right. So I and have the Zoom and the Google Docs. Got it. And SAT, I think it's going to go uh, online starting next year. It is year. actually starting, starting in January. It'll go online for um, everybody. Right. It's actually a completely different test. They're not trying to take the test that exists now mm-hmm. and put it online. Okay. It is completely different. It's an hour shorter. Okay. Um, it is similar to the um, to the nursing exam, where mm-hmm. depending on how well you do on section one, will determine the difficulty of the questions on section two. So what that means is how well you do on section one predetermines how high your score can be. Right. And it will be so. It's totally going to be AI driven. It's going to be completely different. I have I have actually taken the new one. Okay. Um. It's clunky. It's clunky. <laughs> so instead of having like multiple questions per reading, it's a paragraph and a question, a paragraph and a question. Right. So there's no longer readings. To me, it's a little clunky in okay. that it's a lot more reading, but it is an hour less of time. Right. And it's way less questions. You know, but I'm still seeing myself teaching it with a scrap paper. I feel like there's need to write stuff down. I think that's one of the ways that makes it clunky is there's, there's a notes feature mm-hmm. that you can then write a note on the side. But I feel like um, that's what makes it cumbersome, right? right, right. Highlighting and the notes. So I, I need to spend a little more time on it um, and figure out how to, you know, streamline it a little bit. I think right now, it right now, even I struggle to finish on time just because I, I, I was unfamiliar. Right. So I didn't really know about, I was trying to figure out how to write notes and I was trying to figure out how to highlight things. And um, I also think that there's a whole screen thing. I think hmm. it's harder to read on the screen. Right. Um, for a lot of kids. So I think there's, it's going to be a huge transition. I get why they're doing it, but I also see where there are pitfalls. Um, you know, one of the things is if we're going to all take it at the same time online, what happens if we have a power outage? What happens if you lose internet connection? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of issues that yeah. I think are, I, I don't think the transition is going to be smooth. How, really how is it going to affect, uh, you know, your company systems? Is it, uh, have you started thinking of, of it? Are there any changes? I don't, it's gonna, if, if it's, I don't think it's going to make any difference because I can get a sample test and still teach it online. 
Um, so that's fine. I can do that through zoom and share my screen and go through it. Um, as far as the testing. And I think eventually these tests are going to change completely. Um, but the other part of our business that continues to grow is the counseling and the coaching and the essays and the applications. So, you know, I, I feel like I've got so many layers there that even if, if it affects it a little bit, I've got lots of other places to go. Right. So I, you know, I don't have all my eggs in one basket, so to speak. And I think that's really important too, if we're going to talk about entrepreneurs and businesses, right? Your business shouldn't just do one little thing because that one little thing disappears, you're out of business. You know, so we built it like kind of like layers of business. And I think that helps because we can always pivot to a new direction if we need to. Right. Um, Yeah you know, just be a little, be a little fluid, so to speak. Right. And focus more on one than the other or whatever, um, to keep it rich. Got it. Yeah. Got it, Judy. Yeah. I hope that I gave some good advice today. Oh, you did. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say next. It was, it was amazing. You know, uh, I do have a lot of questions more, but I think we'll probably do it some other time when you're available. Another 60, 120 minutes also will, will not be bad for me because, you know, you're not just doing one thing, right? There's so much that I want to ask you about writing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just have to come and trigger it. I mean, just put some thoughts and then I know that you're going to say some things uh, and that's going to be so, just like the way you mentioned about the terrapin, right? It just uh, clicks something. So these little things, I think, um, these are the things at the end of the day for writers, especially little things just gives them that perspective and it clicks and then things work. So yeah. uh, I love eliciting such things uh, from, you know, guests and uh, Thank you. yeah. Uh, it you. was it was great, uh, lovely talking to you, and this loved was your so energy. Fun. Yeah, it was totally. Um, and thank you for uh, finding it fun. Uh, I'll take that as a yeah. compliment. And uh, just one question: any feedback about the podcast? Anything that could have been better? Please. Uh, no, I loved share. it. I loved it. You're so easy to talk to. Great. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by Edison OS a no-code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses, launch mobile learning apps, sell online practice tests for competitive exams, run online learning communities, digitizing their offline tutoring business, use it as a learning management system, and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce.